podcast land, you have set your dial to CSWR episode 24, also known as Combat Sports and Rhino. We talk about boxing, we talk about kickboxing, we talk about uh, boy tie, but mostly we, these days we only talk about MMA because that's the only thing in the old combat sports landscape, and we're glad it's there, if nothing else. So, uh, today's show, we are going to be breaking down our picks for May 30th fight night at the Apex Center in Las Vegas uh, this coming Saturday. We got our Twitter questions, and we got some great ones today, Twitter and calling questions. Dre is drop of the night. Uh, we got the return of highs and lows with Rhino. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be about, uh, again, just some highs and lows for my career, if you guys are familiar with that segment. And then at the end, we've got my fantastic interview with Kyle, the Monster Nelson, UFC 145-er, as he goes, 10 rounds with Rhino. So let's go ahead and, as we love to say on the CSWR, let's dive right into our first uh, round of picks. It's just going to be me for the prelims. So uh, this coming Saturday, I have got Vince Morales beating Chris Gutierrez in the featherweight division. And I think that's going to be my unanimous decision. So I got Vince over Chris. UD in the featherweight division. Then my main man, Louis Smoka versus Casey Kenny at Bantamweight. Louis Smoka, too tough, too much experience. Third round TKO, I'm calling for little Louis Smoka. Then even smaller guys, the flyweights, uh, little, T- little Tim Elliott with his little fist of fury. I think it's going to piece up old Brandon Royval uh, and get a UD. I don't think it's going to be a, uh, I don't think we're going to get a knockout. I mean, they're, Tim Elliott could pull off a sub, but I'm thinking UD for uh, Tim Elliott in this one. Then, th- this one is the most exciting one for me on the prelims. We got Jamal Hill. Michigan, stand up! Jamal Hill from Grand Rapids, Michigan, undefeated, going against the tough Brazilian, Kilson Abreu, in the light heavyweight division. I got my man, Jamal Hill, by first-round TKO. He's going to catch him with a left hook, I think. Then he's going to catch him with a right uppercut. Put him against the cage. Finish him with strikes. That's my call here. Jamal Hill, Michigan. Yes, sir. <laughs> so then we're going to move our way to our uh, catch weight with, gosh, one of the best names and personalities in the entire UFC. we got Spike Carlisle. But you know him better as the Alpha Ginger <laughs> going against Billy Quarantillo. And uh, definitely got to go with the Alpha Ginger. I got second-round TKO. Uh, by via ground and pound is how I'm calling that one. So then moving on to the prelim, the main event of the prelims, we got Chaitlin, Caitlin Chikagian versus Antonia Shevchenko. Yes, that is the same Shevchenko family as our 125-pound champion, Valentina. It's her sister, Antonia. Huge experience in the kickboxing and Muay Thai world. Uh, Caitlin is what Caitlin is. She's a good fighter. I think she'll be able to do better against Antonio than she did against Valentina, but I still have Antonio winning the fight by a very close split decision. So that is the prelim section of the upcoming fight night picks from the old combat sports with Rhino show. Uh, I think now we're going to go ahead and give Dre a call um, and have us both go over our main card picks for this Saturday. So D Reigns, let's get old Dre on the line. Now I'm going to our main card picks for this coming Saturday's Apex Center UFC main card. We've got first on the docket, we got Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Cyphers. Um, I've got second round submission for Mackenzie Dern coming off of the birth of her first child and long hiatus. 
from what we hear, her weight is on point, is doing pretty well right now. So I think her sub skills are going to be too much for Hannah Cyphers. Drea, what do you have for that pick? I had the same thought. The only difference is going to be third round. I'm taking Mackenzie Dern by submission in the third round. All right, so we both have Mackenzie Dern, both by sub, just difference in round. All right, moving our way down the card, we got Roosevelt Roberts versus Brock Weaver. Boo, Brock Weaver, boo. If it's true that he was involved in this dogfighting thing that so many people have been uh, referencing, I don't, I don't know for a fact. But if it's true, boo, Brock Weaver, boo. I've got Roosevelt Roberts by unanimous decision. Uh, in the uh, welterweight division over Brock Weaver. Drea, who do you have? Same. I've seen all that stuff on social media about Brock, and I've literally hated him since. So I myself am going with Roosevelt Roberts' uh, unanimous decision. All right, so we have the exact same one on that one. And again, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is fact or not, but if it is, fuck you, Brock Weaver. Dogs are our life. They're the most wonderful things in the world. If you are involved in dog fighting. A uh, super duper middle finger to you. Okay, moving our way down the card, we've got the 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 hot upstart Kevin Holland, having just won <laughs> like uh, a week and a half ago uh, at 185, moving down to welterweight. Now, if you recall, he only weighed like 182.2 in his last fight against uh, Fluffy, uh, and he he got the quick finish with a I think it was a knee to the the stomach that started the whole thing, but he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez this time in the welterweight division. I've got Kevin Holland doing it again. I got Kevin Holland, first round TKO over Daniel Rodriguez. Uh, Drea, what is your pick? I, okay. So this is our first disagreement. I'm, I'm going to take Daniel Rodriguez um, TKO in the second. I think this may have with him fighting so close back to back. I, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not feeling it for Kevin, so I'm going to go with Daniel Rodriguez. So we got Dre with a second-round TKO for Daniel Rodriguez. Okay, moving into the heavyweight division with my boys, the heavyweights, the big boys. We got Blagoy Ivanov, the longtime stud Bulgarian, versus Augusto Sakai. I I love Blagoy Ivanov, okay? He looks like... He doesn't look like your typical heavyweight, right? He's kind of paunchy. He's real hairy. He's uh, he's an interesting-looking cat, and I've always, always liked him. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going. And Sakai is a great fighter as well. But I'm going, they're both top 15 ranked right now, I believe. But I'm going with Blagoy. I think it's going to be another kind of extended slug out, kind of like he had with Ben Rothwell. So I'm going with Blagoy even off by unanimous decision over Augusto Sakai. <laughs> Okay, so we have a second disagreement. I yes. I agree it's going to be a slug out through the entire fight, but I am favoring Augusto Sakai um, to win by a split decision. Okay. So we got Augusto Sakai for Dre, a split decision. Lagoy, all right, so we have two separate picks mm-hmm. uh, on the main card thus far. I, I think we're going to be in the same boat on this one, but we'll see. So, our main event, we got Tyrone Woodley, uh, rap star supreme, (laughs) (laughs) going against Gilbert Burns in the welterweight division. Uh, I think T. Wood, although he's been on the shelf for a long time and Burns has been a lot more active, I still think that Tyron is, I don't know, I still think he has that in him left, that, that, that explosiveness and that ability to beat very, very high level competition. I've got Tyron Woodley. I think Gilbert's very tough. 
and I think Gilbert's going to laugh, but I got Tyron Woodley winning my third-round TKO uh, due to strikes. I got third-round TKO Woodley over Gilbert Burns. Drea, what is your pick? Tyron Woodley by KO in the second. I definitely agree with you. I, you know, he hasn't fought in a little bit, but I think he still has that that power, and I think he's going to take it. KO in the second. Falling in and out of love. And oh, my love God, no. <laughs> Don't do it to me. It's going to be stuck in my head now. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. I love it so much. Oh, uh, so no. that is, uh, that's our main card picks for the Rhino and Drea. So now we are going to uh, get Drea's drop of the night. Andrea, is there a little bit of a backstory to this drop of the night? Please do tell. The oh, audience. my God. I hate you. <laughs> There's a little backstory, yes. So yesterday I was trying to think of an idea of, you know, something to use for the drop because we didn't have any fights to go on. So then I thought, oh, you know, we have this main event. Tyron Woodley's coming back. <clears throat> like, let's use that as the inspiration for my for my drop of the night makes and perfect then, sense makes perfect sense and then what happens i wake up this morning and the ufc has posted on twitter the exact same idea that i had but i'm still sticking with it so uh my drop of the night uh comes from ufc 201 woodley versus robbie lawler oh my god tyrone woodley yeah <laughs> he threw that killer overhand right that just connected with robbie and put him out i'll never forget that night um was not expecting it uh, so my drop of the night goes to Tyron Woodley, UFC 201, a knockout over Robbie Lawler. Which was such a bummer because, you know, Robbie, I love Robbie. I still do. Me too. But it was such a bummer. But yeah, what a beautiful drop. So yeah, great pick. I absolutely co-sign on that. So uh, we have our Dreas drop of the night in the books. Let's move our way to our Twitter questions. And I know our first one comes from Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision podcast. And what does Phil have for us this week, Drea? So, Phil says, I'm loving this Burns-Woodley fight coming up, but I have to ask, does Gilbert really have much of a real chance here? If he does, what are his paths to victory, and how likely is it that Gilbert pulls this one off? Personally, I predict a return from the chosen one. Woodley, second round TKO. Yeah, Phil, I'm excited for this one, too. Uh, Yes, you know, Gilbert does have a chance in there, and not just like that puncher's chance that everybody has a chance. Not, I'm not talking about that. He's got a better chance than that. Uh, Gilbert has phenomenal grappling credentials, uh, ADCC. He, he is a uh, very good black belt on the ground. So theoretically, he could somehow pull off, I think, a submission against um, against Tyron. And Gilbert does hit hard, but I think that Tyron, you know, him not getting caught is the only way I'm sorry, him getting caught would be the only way that Burns would beat him. So I think Tyron, the more, much more realistic outcome is going to be Tyron winning. Uh, he'll just get to control the distance. He's going to use his explosivity, his power, his experience. He's going to press Gilbert up against the cage, I think, a lot, use his strength over him. And then, uh, you know, pretty similar uh, to what you picked, but I got a third-round TKO for, yes, the aforementioned chosen one, Tyron Woodley in that one. So thank you so much, Phil. If you guys haven't already, definitely check out the Split Decision podcast. Uh, him and the Fight Geek, great insight, great takes, good fun stuff, good banter between the two. Definitely check them out. So moving our way to our both of our very good mutual friend, the food porn king of them all, <laughs> our boy Cyrus King at Cyrus King. And what does Cyrus have for us today? Cyrus says, many people are saying Amanda Nunes shouldn't get the top spot in the 
UFC 250. I notice Amanda gets a lot of hate from the fans. Why do you think this is? Are these people secret Valentina fans? Laugh out loud. So <laughs> the argument against it would be that the, the champion of two divisions shouldn't get top billing. Give me a god dang break, dude. I have 100% for Amanda getting top billing unless someone like a humongous chick, like, like John Jones or somebody like that. Otherwise, give give the champ champ her uh, her due at, at top billing. She's the absolute, to me, she's the best fighter on the female fighter on the planet. Amanda is number one. Valentina is just a, just a small step uh, below her. Um, I think the dislike for a minute, I hate saying it, but I really think the dislike for Amanda comes from several factors. One, I think because a lot of people don't think of her as traditionally attractive, the way that they found uh, Ronda or a few of the other female champions. I, I think that's part of JJ. You know, I think that's part of it. Um, I also think that I, well, I don't understand. She's been dominant in her hat, you know, in her, in most of her wins. So I think people don't like that either. They don't like somebody to come in and just make it look easy. I think people kind of maybe, especially casuals and people who are kind of fair weather fans, they like to see somebody take a, you know, take a bunch of uh, damage while they win kind of that blood and guts thing. And Amanda has been so dominant as of late, she doesn't hardly ever take any damage. And I think people kind of hate on her for that as well. Um, but again, and the Valentina thing, I think, is a smaller contingent of, of people who hate on Amanda, I think. And again, I was one of those people who had Valentina winning by split decision last time they fought. I, I was. I thought she did enough to beat Amanda. But Amanda got the nod, and Amanda has been dominant ever since. So, um, yeah, I think those are three factors that lead into so much. I, I hate using the word hate, but there's so much disrespect for Amanda Nunes, who I think is a fantastic fighter. I am definitely team lioness. I think not only for her talent, but her, for her, like her ferocity, right? The way that she goes in there and strikes on the feet. She doesn't look to clinch. She looks to just stand up a bang. I really, really like respect her uh, for her talent and her abilities. And then, oh, what else, dude? She wrecked Ronda Rousey. Okay. So forever and ever, Holly Holm and Amanda Nunez will be uh, revered in the house of Rhino for doing that because I couldn't stand Rousey. So yes, those are, those are the reasons I think that Amanda catches the disrespect. I, however, am think it's totally cool that she gets top billing on June 6th. So I know our third question comes from my, my dear homie, Rage Sweet Potato up in the great white North O Canada. And he had a great question today. What was it, Drea? Like myself and Jim Asun, you're an old school fan right now. We come from an era where the UFC put on as many fights in a year as we now see in a month. A time when cards had eight, maybe ten fights, and the only way you ever saw a prelim was if the main card fight was a finish and they needed filler on the pay-per-view. Now we get every single fight broadcast and marketed it. So do you think that fans like us, who come from an era of scarcity... Yeah. Are excuse me, are better equipped to deal with this drought in an era of plenty. Wow, raise the sweet potato. I, when I read this question, I was like, man, this is insightful and a great fucking question. So, yeah, such a good uh, question. Yeah, for sure. So the straight answer is yes. I think the the old heads, if you will, those of us who've been watching uh since pre-Zufa 
are a little better equipped to handle the lapses in between cards, in between fights. Um, I think that's absolutely a truth. Uh, yeah, and I hate to sound like the old guy like to get off my lawn, but you know, kids today don't understand. We used to have these few fights in every fucking month, and, and it's true. It really is true. That's how it used to be. Unfortunately for me, as not just a, a UFC or an MMA fan, but I'm a huge boxing, kickboxing, and Muay Thai fan. I know you're a big Muay, Muay Thai fan yourself, Drea. Yeah. I used to be able. I used to be able to supplement my fight needs by boxing and kickboxing and Muay Thai in the intermittent times between UFC fights. So uh, for me, the, the landscape of combat sports being as dry as it is and the UFC being the only game in town, I find myself being just like all the rest of the people who are just clamoring for some content every week because the UFC is all we got. There is no boxing really. You know, there was the one, there was the one pro card in Nicaragua a few weeks ago that I watched with bated breath because I loved it so much because I was so happy it was on. But there has been no kickboxing. There's been no uh, Muay Thai that I've, that I've seen. So, yeah, I've kind of fallen into the same realm as today's fans who have only been fans for a few years who are used to far more content just because the other sports that I watch are completely barren and it's a dry desert of content. So, Rage and Sweet Potato, what a question, dude. Thank you so very much for asking it. Uh, so yes, we are going to now move into our call-in questions. So Drea, thank you so much for joining us again. You knocked it out of the park, even though we had to wait for you to get an iced coffee before we could get started. <laughs> no, <laughs> was, you didn't. It was, <laughs> it was totally Leave it, it to me to be the bougie one. <laughs> made you wait while I got my coffee. It was totally worth it. Your drop of the nut, your picks, your Twitter uh, reading was awesome. Knocked it out of the park yet again. We're very appreciative that you be a feature on this show every week. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next uh, Sunday. All right. Talk to you next week. Our first question comes from my dear friend, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, and at Solo Shoes. And Dave Fretz, what do you got for us today, my brother? Hi, Rhino. Hey, Rhino, what's up? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Got a question for you today. Um, looks like they announced the May 30th card now with uh, being headlined by Woodley and Burns. Just curious what... Uh, what fight you're most looking forward to? Uh, I think uh, for me, it's probably going to be Robertson Weaver. Um, by far, I'm really looking forward to that fight. Uh, I'm curious about Woodley and Burns, of course, too. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, we could see a crazy animal in Woodley, or he could be done. He could have his focus so many other places right now. It's so hard to tell what's going on with that guy. Anyways, man. Uh, that's my question. Hope you're doing well. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs> my man, Dave, and the little homie, Judah. Judah, the combat sports rhino mascot supreme. Uh, for me, Dave, I'm really looking forward to the Blagoy and Augusto fight. It has me very intrigued, as does the Jamal versus Kilson fight on the prelims. Uh, I'll leave it to me to pick the light heavyweight and the heavyweight fights, but I think it's a big test for Jamal. Uh, against Kilt, I'm sorry to say his name, Clydeson, Clidson. Uh, I think that guy is good, but I think Jamal is very possibly a future star 
So I really want to see that. I love his upside. I really want to see that fight. I'm also, again, I'm really looking forward to Blagoy versus Augusto, not just because it's a heavyweight fight, but I think they both bring some pretty cool tools to the table, and I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of magic they can create in the cage. So, yes, if you guys haven't already checked him out, check out Dave Fretz. Not just at Dave Fretz on Twitter, but also on Instagram and Solo Shoes. The Einstein of graphic design. The guy can do whatever you need for your shoes or your hats or whatever else you're into. Check him out. So thank you, my friend, Dave Fretz. Uh, next, we have the wild card, as I like to call him. Ryan, the mixed man from up in Minnesota way. And Ryan, what do you got for us today, buddy? Rhino, it's your buddy mixed man here. Hope you're doing well. Wanted to get your thoughts before we get back to the crazy schedule on the heavyweight division. I really felt like 2020 was going to be like a marquee year for it. I don't remember in recent history when there's been this many exciting matchups that could be made, contenders that are out there, up-and-comers, established veterans. There's just I felt like there was a lot they could do with heavyweight in 2020. And now we're here at a standhold. Uh, Stipe doesn't want to come back. I, I'm okay with his reasoning on that. I don't want a champion for another interim title fight because I hate interim belts unless there are stipulations of what dictates interim belt but John Jones and Naguanu, Naganu squash DC and Stipe squash just I kind of want to get your thoughts how do you see the heavyweight division playing out uh, from here on forth and uh, what are some of the matchups you see actually happening versus being discussed get at me buddy yeah, dude, with everything as it is now, I'm in full agreement that Stipe is doing far more important work, you know, like saving human beings' lives rather than being, uh, you know, at the forefront of the UFC's, you know, fights. Uh, I, I think some heavyweights in the in the top 15, there's some great matches to be made, right? So here's some that I'd like to see happen this year. I'd love to see Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. I'd love to see Overeem coming off his big win over Walt, the big ticket Harris, fighting Derek Lewis. I'd love to see Rosenstrike get another shot uh, back in there against JDS. I think that'd be a fun stand-up fight between a really good boxer in JDS and a really good kickboxer in Rosenstrike. Uh, we'll see if he's able to kind of shake off the demons of Ngannou separating him from consciousness. Uh, in addition to, uh, to, to DC and Stipe actually happening, I do think it will, right? I do think DC and Stipe 3 actually will happen at some point. And I see Francis getting the winner. Uh, and Ganu is going to, you know, I don't think he's going to be fighting John Jones. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Ngannou is going to wait, see what happens with DC and Stipe 3, and then get the winner of that. And then, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that fight, whatever, that, whatever matchup that comes out with. But, yeah, dude. So, great question, Ryan. Thank you so much. Uh, now we're going to move into the big homie, Jim Soon. Jim Soon, what do you got for us today, my friend? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino, my question for you this week is uh, between Hooker and Poirier. You know, it's going down in July or something like that. I, mean, uh, I think Dustin's going to piece him out, to be honest. Like, Hooker's a good fighter, but he just he's not top tier yet, I don't think. Yeah, that's my question for you, man. Who do you got in that fight? Again, love all the content. You guys are doing a great work. Can't wait for the interview this week. It is what it is, and it's always 420. Peace. All right, Jim. So we're talking about uh, we're talking about Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hangman Hooker. Again, I really I had to kind of um, put one guy on each side and kind of do the pluses and minuses to both. 
Uh, Hooker is a good fighter, dude. He's got great training partners. He's good on his feet. He's good on the ground. I don't think he's great on the ground. Uh, he's got some good experience. He's got some good fights. But he's also taken some pretty rough losses. Uh, Poirier the same. Poirier is extremely well-rounded, American top team product, but was fighting in Louisiana for a really long time before that under Crazy Tim Crater. Uh, I just think the experience and the uh, the boxing is going to be the big difference for Poirier. So I give Poirier the advantage over Hooker. I've got Poirier winning that fight. Uh, when they, I think they're supposed to hook up in July, I believe. So yeah, uh, I've got Poirier just like you. I got Poirier beating Hooker uh, because of his boxing experience and because of his in cage, in ring experience more so than uh, Dan Hangman Hooker. So that's my answer for that one, Jim Asun. You know, it's not a combat sports writer show without my boy Jim Asun calling in and telling everybody it's always four twenty. <laughs> so uh, now we've got our fourth calling question from the from my man Juice from the Fighting with Myself podcast. And Juice, what do you got for us today, buddy? Hey, Rhino, it's Juice. And uh, I know you love boxing questions, so I got a boxing question for you. And I know you think I hate boxing, but sometimes I don't. My favorite boxer is Cam Awesome. Oh, yeah. Bet you didn't know I knew that name. Cam Awesome. Because he delivered my favorite post-fight interview of all time. And it wasn't in the ring. It was uh, backstage. But uh, it's my favorite. Where he, he declared himself the Taylor Swift of boxing. Well, technically he didn't. He was like, I'm not saying I'm the Taylor Swift of boxing, but I'm not not saying I'm the Taylor Swift of boxing. So I want to know, A, do you agree with him? And if you don't, who do you think is the Taylor Swift of boxing? And B, what is your favorite um, boxing post-flight interview? Whether it be in the ring or backstage. Love you. Love the show. Peace. Oh, my God, Cam. Awesome, dude. <laughs> Okay, so I doubt many listeners will know who Cam Awesome is. Uh, his birth name was his birth name is uh, is Lenroy Thompson. Uh, he was born in Uniondale, which is where like um, Chris Weidman and all those guys are around where they're from. But he's lived in Kansas for a long time. Okay, he's a very good amateur fighter for a long time. He had like 150-ish amateur fights. He never went pro. He did something called the World Series of Boxing, which is like it, it's it's a strange deal, but you can fight, you box, it's five rounders, you take off the headgear and you're not wearing a shirt, which is different from the amateurs, and you can get a small purse uh, for, for fighting, but you also maintain your amateur status and your Olympic capability. It's a strange deal, but he had a few fights in that, but yeah, he never turned pro, very good amateur, got a bronze in the Pan American Games one year. You're right, he got famous for that really funny uh, post-fight interview that he had and do I think he's the Taylor Swift of boxing? I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know how to quantify calling him the Taylor Swift of boxing. I will say this. He seems like an extremely funny, smart dude. I, I really thought he was uh, showed a great personality in the interview. I'm sure he's like that all the time. I'm not surprised that you wanted to talk about him when you're talking about boxing because he's one of the very few vegans in the boxing world that I know you could glom onto with your veganism <laughs> but yeah dude what he's a he's a very he seemed like a very cool guy and i really liked him much like my other favorite vegan the homie juices so um as for me what's my favorite post-fight interview and what didn't even come from a fighter it was it was uh larry merchant who i actually never really liked uh long time 
uh, boxing commentator, Larry Merchant got in there surrounded by Floyd Mayweather after one of his wins. I think it was Pacquiao, but I'm not sure. Uh, he had his he had his whole entourage all circling Larry Merchant, who was like 80 at the time. And Floyd was bitching at Larry. He's like, you never give me a fair shake. You don't know shit about boxing, blah, 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 blah. And Larry Merchant, dude, little tiny old man goes, I wish I was 40 years younger and I'd kick your ass. <laughs> it made me laugh for fucking 10 minutes. I still remember it, dude. I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember exactly which fight that was after, but my God, it made me laugh for forever. That was hilarious. So for me, that's my favorite post-boxing in the ring speech. So thank you so much, Juice. I love your podcast. Love you back, brother. Uh, stay safe out there. So that is going to lead us into our Rhinos highs and lows. Now, for those of you out there who have never heard of highs and lows, we don't do it every episode, but we do it on the on the days where we don't have a, uh, a fight card to break down. So what highs and lows is, is just a segment about uh, one of the highlights of my pro career and one of the lowlights. Uh, and so we're going to start off, as we always do, with the low. So this is my first time fighting on TV. It's only my third or, third or fourth pro fight, but I'm getting to fight on TV. Now, granted, it's only Fox Sports, but to me, it was a big deal. You know, you did the thing in the back where the guy films you from the green screen, and you're doing your, your striking, your boxing, and you're moving, and they, you know, they, they put makeup on. <laughs> it was a very, it felt very highbrow at the time. I realized now, looking back, not that big of a deal, but... So I think I was one and one or two and one, and my opponent was like nine and zero. Oh, and he'd also been a Canadian Olympic alternate in the Amies, and he had like over hundred amateur wins. So I was by far and away like brought in to lose. Right, I was the opponent for sure. We were fighting in Detroit, um, so we get in there, and it, it already gets off to a bad start because uh, my corner man didn't tape the laces. So I got my tape on my hands, got the gloves on, but then they forgot to tape my laces. So before we could even start the referee's like, uh, you're missing the tape. So my corner man had to fuck. Oh God, it wasn't, it wasn't a good start. So, so we finally, so now I'm a little freaked out and wanted to get going. So we get taped up and we get in there, the bell rings and like, you know, he's a big dude, big, strong guy. And, uh, we start, we start, to, we start to scrap. And, uh, before I knew it, like I, I felt my face hit the ground. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck? I had never been knocked down before all through the amateurs, my first two pro fights, uh, all through the many, many uh, sparring rounds. I had never been dropped before. So I, I felt my, like, I don't know what happened. I felt my face hit the mat and that immediately sparked me too, like back up, right? So I'm like, what the fuck? But like, I wasn't groggy. It was definitely a flash. You know what I mean? I wasn't groggy. I, I was completely clear-headed. So I was like, I was like, then I got mad. You know, like, well, fuck this. So, uh, so we went, we went back to scrapping and like, I hit him. I think it was an uppercut. I hit him with an uppercut, nice and clean, and put him on the ground, right? So we both dropped each other within, like, a minute, and the crowd was going insane in in my uh, naivete <laughs> and in my lack of experience. I decided to play to the crowd like an idiot. So I leaned over. I'm like, I'm like, now it's a fight. Rah, 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 rah. You know, I'm screaming. Everyone's eating it up. And, and uh, there was, so we go back to scrapping again. And uh, I don't know what it was, but I was wild, right? Because I was I was still mad from getting knocked down. I was still I was still hyped because I, I just dropped him, and so I just came in kind of wild. And I, you know, we were just scrapping some more, and then he cracked me with something again, which to this day I don't know what it was, and that put me down again. This time to my knees, kind of you know, uh, like one hand down, knees down, but like getting myself back up. So I got right back up. 
This time I was a little bit more groggy than the first one, but uh, I got back up and I was ready to rock and roll. Like I was mad that I got dropped again. And this has all happened within like two, two minutes, 30 seconds, give or take. Cause it was before the, it was right before the end of the third round. And uh, I, I got my hate gloves up and I'm ready to go. I'm like, oh, let's fuck this, you know, let's go. And the referee stopped the fight. Oh gosh, man. I dude, I had like a ton of friends there and, I'm like, no, 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 I can go. But, you know, I was doing one of those deals because I could. I was ready to rock, man. And, uh, but he was like, no, no. He was like, that's it, that's it. I was like, but I, he dropped me. I dropped him. He dropped me. Like, it was going to keep going like that, I think. But, uh, yeah, so that was definitely a bummer to uh, to lose on TV uh, and to be the first time I was ever dropped or stopped um, because the only other pro fight that I had lost prior to that was by split decision which I clearly won, but that's a story for another time. So, but the high of the whole thing was, it was a great, it was a great experience. Um, he's actually a very cool dude. Uh, the, the, the other fighter, you know, we had a great conversation afterwards. I met a bunch of his family and friends. It was very cool being on TV. It was cool. I only saw it the one time because they didn't, you know, they didn't play boxing on Fox sports and all that much, but it was very cool. And it was, uh, it ended up being, he ended up retiring undefeated. I think he was like 19 and 0 or 20 and 0. Um, and, you know, he didn't fight the top tier of guys by any stretch, but to still go undefeated in the heavyweight division in the pro ranks is still very impressive. I'm the only guy who ever dropped him. So for his whole career, I'm the only guy that the old Rhino was the only one who dropped him. So I actually put that as a feather in my cap and uh, a good memory, even though I lost the fight, even though I got stopped, it was still very, very high uh, highlight of my career. So thank you very much for those of you who stuck with that, who are not huge fans of the high and low, because I know some of you are and probably some of you are, but I sure don't mind sharing those experiences. And I really like that segment actually. So now we are going to move our way into everyone's favorite 10 rounds with Rhino. This week, my guest is UFC 145er from the beautiful country of Canada, Kyle, the monster Nelson. Ladies and gentlemen, fans of CSWR, we have got a special treat for ourselves today. The incredibly, Talented 145er, the Canadian Supreme, the monster Kyle Nelson. Thank you so much for joining us for 10 Rounds with Rhino today, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. Awesome, dude. So, uh, as people know who listen, I love to start the first round. It's always so interesting to me. I'd love to get the background. Like, how did how did Kyle Nelson get into mixed martial arts, dude? Uh, yeah, so it all started, um, I was pretty young, I was uh, four or five, and I watched uh, Rocky for the first time. Awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of where the, the inspiration came, so I kind of wanted to be a boxer, um, you know, got into working out a lot, but uh, where I'm from, a small town called Huntsville up north, and uh, we didn't really have any boxing or anything like that, so it wasn't until I was uh, about 14 years old, I found a, a kickboxing gym that also did jiu-jitsu, so I kind of started doing both of those and that was uh, right around the time the first ultimate fighter came out and uh, so i started watching that and that was basically what i was doing i was doing the, the groundwork with the jiu-jitsu and the stand-up with kickboxing so i decided to uh, stick with that yeah very cool and that kind of leads into my next question kyle where you uh you only had three ami fights before you turned pro like what made you feel like you were ready after just those three amateur fights. Like myself, I only had six amateur fights before I turned pro. And I was kind of looking at like, well, you didn't have much of an amateur career and you only had three. So what was the difference? Like you felt like, okay, I can do this. Like what made you feel that way? Uh, so actually I had a lot of uh, amateur experience. So uh, when I started training when I was 14, 
Um, I went right into jujitsu tournaments. So I did those. I did like one or two of those a month for, uh, um, you know, like four or five years. Um, when I turned 18, I started doing amateur kickboxing fights. So I did 10 or so amateur kickboxing fights and then a bunch of kind of smoker shows. Sure. Then I started doing amateur MMA when I was 18, 19, and I did 10 amateur MMA fights, but some were in Montreal, some were in Michigan, Pennsylvania. I was kind of all over the place. And, uh, yeah, the only I guess only three of them show up on, on oh, are, are, or something. Rec- are recognized. Okay, I got yeah. what you're saying. So you actually had quite extensively more AMI experience than is led on with the uh, with your record. I understand. I, I definitely understand that. Um, so you've actually fought in Romania three different times for the RXF promotion. Uh, how did that come about? And what's the fight scene like in Romania? Uh, yeah, so my, my head coach, uh, Alin Halmagin, he's originally from Romania. Okay. And, um, so yeah, so we still got a lot of contacts and family and stuff there. And, uh, yeah, the opportunity just kind of came up, and he's like, hey, do you want to go to Romania? I said, well, you know, who wouldn't want to travel over to Europe and stuff and, and you know, get to get to fight at the same time? So that was super cool. And, yeah, yeah. Arts have put on a really good show. You know, they had all the smoke and lights, and it was definitely – at the point in my career, it was the, you know, the biggest show I'd kind of been in with as far as production value and, and all that stuff. So it was, uh, it was very exciting. Yeah, that's very cool, man. Cause we you know we hear about different hotspots all over the world as far as uh, the MMA scene. I was unfamiliar with Romania, but yeah, once I looked up some of their stuff, it was very high quality production and very interesting to check out. So yeah, you had firsthand experience with it. So I'm glad to, we could kind of hear about what the, what the scene is like over there. Um, one thing, Kyle, that a lot of our audience may not know is that you have got a win over Jonathan Brookings in a very uh, high-paced back-and-forth battle. Uh, he's, a, he's a tough winner. He's a winner of the Ultimate Fighter. Was that the first time you felt like you beat somebody who uh, maybe could propel your name uh, into more people's, you know, into more people's living rooms to kind of get your name out there on the landscape of MMA? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was kind of my first um, test with a, a UFC veteran. So I had fought um, jiu-jitsu black belts and, and Olympic wrestlers. and I'd, I'd fought kind of people that were great in, in one area, um, but I hadn't really proven myself to everyone uh, facing against a UFC vet. So Jonathan Burke is coming with his, his name and, and the ultimate fighter winner and, and some of his success in the UFC. Um, I knew would really help show the world and the UFC that I was I was at that level. So the fight didn't necessarily go as we had planned, but I think I kind of showed, you know, hit Brookens early. I think that kind of shut him down and kind of turned him yeah. into kind of wrestling mode. So then he was kind of more or less fighting to survive while I was still trying to trying to hunt him down and and try and finish the fight. So I think um, it ended up being a close close fight on the as far as the decision, just because of, um, he was able to nullify some of my offense, but again, most of the fight was just me trying to get to him and, and finish the fight. Right. Absolutely. Uh, now if, if someone were to look at, we were talking about records a little bit ago. If someone were to look at your current pro record with 13 pro wins, you probably have the most diverse portfolio of anybody with 13 pro wins. We're talking five knockouts, four submissions and four decisions. To me, 
that makes you more dangerous than someone who has, let's say, 13 KOs or 13 subs or 13 decisions. Uh, it just shows that you could take the fight anywhere and you could finish it uh, in, in multiple different ways. Or if you need to go the distance, you're willing, capable to do so. Um, where does that diversity come from? Where does your uh, aptitude for being able to finish or stay in the fight with all comers come from, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I think it was just when I started out, I started out doing jujitsu and kickboxing at the same time. So I kind of, it's not like I came from one specific discipline with like a stand-up or a ground discipline. I kind of started out doing both. And um, of course, throughout my career, there was times where my jujitsu, my wrestling was was kind of what I was best at. And then uh-huh. I would take some time and focus on the stand-up. And, and so it would, it would kind of all develop at different rates. But um, yeah, and it was always something I wanted to be able to take the fight wherever I wanted. So I knew if if I was fighting, uh, you know, a, a good striker, I wanted to be able to take it to the ground or, you know, and, and as much as I love standing and trading with good strikers and, and trying to challenge uh, other guys at what they're good at. It's nice to know in the back of my back of my mind that if I need, I can take it to where they're weakest. And I know. You know, I'm probably going to most guys I'm going to fight, I'm going to beat at at two out of the three things. So I'm either going to be right. a better striker, better wrestler, better jits, better clinch. You know, I've, I know with my level across all the disciplines, I'm good enough to beat pretty much everybody at at least one or two areas. So all I need to do is impose my will and take it where I want it. And I'm able to uh, to win the fight. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with you, and anybody who's who's followed your career would absolutely sign off on that as well. Uh, your last fight in the UFC was against uh, Polo Reyes in Mexico for ESPN Plus Fight Night 17. You stopped Reyes up against the cage with a combo that was led off with a brutal inside elbow followed up by punches. Are elbows a technique that you work on a lot, or was this kind of a case of the opportunity presented itself, so I, I jumped on the opportunity? Um, yeah, I mean, we drill elbows all the time here. Um, again, my, my head coach, uh, Alin Halmajin, comes from a Muay Thai background. So we've always been, um, you know, working on, on elbows and knees and stuff like that. But um, I hadn't thrown a lot of um, standing elbows. I mean, I, I'd thrown a lot of elbows on the ground. Um, my fight, sure. my last fight in Romania, I finished with uh, elbows from guard. So it's something that I, I love using. And, it, and it's just... Um, you know, uh, I kind of found the, the right opening there in uh, in the polo fight. And uh, I'd watched a couple of the fights before on the card. Some people were landing some nice elbows, and I knew I had good elbows. So I was like, oh, you know, this fight I wanted to take a little slower. Um, my fight before that with Matt Sales, um, I think I was too aggressive, and I was hunting for the kill the whole time. And that's kind of why I got, got tired and gassed out and, and made some mistakes. So this time I would just wanted to go in take my time, enjoy the moment. I knew, again, I knew I'm, I'm competent everywhere. So there was nowhere Polo was going to take me where I wouldn't be comfortable. So I just wanted to relax and take my time with this one. And um, of course, when I did that, all of a sudden the opens kind of came to me instead of me trying to chase down the knockout. It kind of being calm and sitting back and, and it just came to me. So I, I landed a couple knees, hurt his body. He dropped his elbows a little bit in that in the clinch. And I knew that that, that my elbow was open. So I, I loaded up on that one. And as soon as that landed, I knew, I knew it hurt him real bad. So I kind of, I opened up with, uh, you know, the liver shot and the overhand stuff. Yeah. And what a beautiful combination it was. It was reminiscent of several other 
of those ones where you see somebody get hurt and then got far too often for some reason nobody ever seems to really know guys dive for a takedown once they hurt their opponent but you know not you you kept it right up against the fence you landed that beautiful combination it was awesome so uh piggybacking onto that fight you were fighting a guy in his home country obviously being a foreign guy um so he kind of made you the spoiler obviously when you went to romania i would assume you were fighting either romanians or guys who are from that area have you have you kind of embraced being the road warrior kind of having to be the guy coming in fighting a guy in his home country because you've had to do it so many times yeah absolutely even when i was fighting on like the regional scene here in canada i mean either i was in quebec or in alberta um even when i did fight in my home province of, of ontario um i'm from from huntsville so they're never going to put on a pro show in huntsville so i'd be fighting in sarnia and i'd be fighting or i'd be fighting in toronto and then when i fight in toronto i'd be fighting against torontonians i guess you'd say sure sure um so yeah so i was always i've always been the away guy so it's um it's i guess actually my my first ufc fight the one i took on on three days notice it was i was the hometown guy finally so that was kind right. of the, you know the, <laughs> the only time i've really been the the hometown guy but uh, yeah i mean it's I almost prefer going, going, you know, out of my comfort zone into somebody's hometown and, uh, you know, having the, the crowd cheering against me and stuff. And then when I do, when I do, um, you know, put on a great performance and, and, you know, win the crowd over it, it's even means that much more because I was able to, uh, you know, take such a hostile crowd and, and turn them into a fan of mine. Absolutely, dude. Um, now, speaking of your career, you fought at both 145 and 155 throughout. Uh, do you have a preference uh, one over the other, or are you equally confident in both? And I mean, I know the kind of the simple question is, well, I like to fight bigger, so I don't have to cut as much and I can uh, get more nutrition into me. But, you know, then again, there's other there's other circumstances that kind of come into play. So between 145 and 155, do you kind of do you have a preference or you're just kind of either one is is the same? Uh, no, I, I, I much prefer 145. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One, 145 is kind of my natural weight. Um, the only time I've taken 155 uh, fights is when I couldn't get a 45-pound fight or <laughs> on, on short notice and stuff like that. So, um, I, I, I mean, I have the size and, and the strength and stuff to compete at 155, but, um, you know, at 145, I've, I've got a little bit more height. And, um, yeah, I think my frame is, is a little more suited for 145. And, uh, yeah, up until, up until the Matt Sales fight, I was undefeated at 145. So Matt Sales is my, my only loss at 145. So I'd love to get that one back and, and you know, kind of show sure. people, you know, at 145, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the, the champ. Yeah. And speaking of the, speaking of the UFC run here, do we have any info? on what's next on the docket for the monster. I mean, um, the monster on fight Island sounds like a pretty sweet match made in heaven. If you ask me, dude. So have you heard anything? Do we have anything? Are there any irons in the fire that you can tell us as far as uh, what's next for you? Uh, nothing right now. Uh, right before, you know, the whole Corona stuff hit, we were talking to the UFC and we kind of had a date set up and everything. And then all this hit and, um, you know, all that got pushed aside. So I know um, with uh, kind of their, the UFC did a fight on Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So I know once they get past this weekend, they're going to start looking into, uh, 
you know, kind of lining up the, the shows in the future. And from right. what I understand, Fight Island is going to be open sometime um, in June. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm staying ready. I'm staying in shape and stuff. So hopefully as soon as they get everything rolling, I'll be able to, uh, you know, jump to the front of the line and, you know, be ready to go either to Fight Island or, or down to Florida or whatever they have going on. Well, coming off your last performance and your last last finish, they would it would be foolish to not get you on a card ASAP because that was as fun as as exciting a finish as we get in the UFC. So yeah, I really look forward to having you uh, seeing what have they have for you next. So the tenth round is now upon us, Kyle, and my homie and your teammate at House of Champions, gentleman Josh Hill, told me on on my show that how much he loves to relax and he loves horror movies and he kind of told me some of the things that he does in his downtime. What does Kyle the Monster do for fun, for a hobby, to chill? Anything away from the fight world? What do you got? Uh, yeah, I mean, coming coming from a small town, I, you know, I grew up uh, hunting and fishing and, and four-wheeling and, you know, doing almost anything outdoors. So I, I really love love that, just kind of getting away, especially when you're when you're in, in training camp, if you're able to sneak away and, and kind of get outside and, and kind of be at peace for a little bit. It, it definitely helps. Um, helps with the mentality and stuff and and um now that it's getting nice out now i like to like to ride motorcycles so i you know i'm gonna try and just bought a a new used motorcycle there uh, last night so hopefully i'll get that this weekend and i can start cruising around and, and oh wow uh, what'd you get did you get a uh did you get like a did you get a cruiser bike like uh what'd you get yeah i got a, a yamaha um v-star 1100 sweet yeah so you guys <laughs> want to check go. out my my social media, you'll probably see a lot of pictures of me riding around and cruising on that thing. So, Yeah, just be, be, be safe and be careful, man. But, yeah, that's got to be beautiful, especially up in Canada with all that open range, just to kind of cruise through, not much traffic. My God, that would be awesome. Um, so, yeah, man, we have actually rocked through all 10 rounds with Rhino, Kyle. I really, again, for those of you who haven't really checked him out besides just the Polo Reyes fight, Kyle the Monster Nelson is a 145-er two follow this guy has all the tools he has all of the fucking possibilities to really make a hard run at 145 i'm super looking forward to it you guys should too kyle once again thank you so much for coming on combat sports with rhino today and going 10 rounds with rhino yeah thanks a lot for having me on hey this is kyle the monster nelson and i just went 10 rounds with rhino man what a cool interview dude kyle is such a like a mellow smooth like chill dude it was very cool to talk to that guy what a what a fun interview. I love 10 Rounds with Rhino. I know I say it every week, but I always mean it, dude. And uh, Kyle, again, thank you so much, dude. And what a what a great stop that you had over Polo Reyes in your last fight. What a cool, cool stoppage, dude. So thanks so much for joining us today. So we are now going to move our way into our shout-outs. Definitely want to shout-out my uh, my Rhino gang members who asked questions this week. Phil the MMA dude, Cyrus King, Raisin Sweet Potato, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, at Solo Shoes. Ryan Mixed a Man, the big homie Jim Asood, my favorite vegan, and my boy Juice from the Fight With Myself podcast. Of course, Drea, the feature player of the Combat Sports Rhino Show. D Reigns, the. I, I, it's always, I'm always looking for a new thing to call D Reigns. D Reigns is the best engineer in the world, period! Exclamation point. D Reigns for all your help. Everybody else in the Rhino Gang who listens, thank you guys so much for your. For your loyalty every week. We just see the numbers keep going up and up and up. So cool. Um, we do have a guest for next week. I'm gonna kind of keep the I'm gonna keep it in a rest for now. But we do have a cool guest coming up next week. So for all you guys out there, 
please stay home. Please stay safe. Uh, social distancing. Wash your hands. We're going to get through this together. I love all you guys. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week. K-Side.